Well, we know that our lives are met with much suffering. If you haven't experienced much of suffering in your life, you certainly uh, will at some point. Um, because the Lord has designed also not only suffering in this world as a consequence of sin, we know that, that's why there's suffering, but he's designed it to serve in a way that's counterintuitive to our blessing and his glory and even our glory. I remind you of what Peter says when he's mentioning to those in the early church about suffering. He said, Christ suffered the just for the unjust. And so he says, if we should suffer for righteousness, what is that in comparison to what our Lord suffered, who did so as the just one, even at the hands of unjust men? And he says, therefore, we should rejoice that we are partakers of Christ's suffering. When his glory shall be revealed, we may be glad with exceeding joy. I want us to ask ourselves this question. When we face suffering, do we understand God's purpose, what our Father is doing in our lives through suffering? Our natural tendency is to run away from suffering. But our Father is telling us in his word that he is going to use this suffering for our salvation and his glory. And that's what Paul is saying to us here in this passage. I want to look at the first five verses in particular where Paul draws this glorious chain of sequence out for us. He, he begins with hope, and I want to look at this foundation that he sets before us, then the sequence that he gives to us, as well as the end of this hope as well. This beautiful letter, brothers and sisters, that's before us of Romans, is a very doctrinal letter, and yet it's one that is filled with so much comfort and instruction that we do well to study it often. It's given by the Holy Spirit to us to shape and mold our understanding and thinking of the gospel and how it relates also in our lives personally. Paul began the letter by addressing the whole human race, Jew and Gentile, demonstrating that every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he goes on to explain how the believer is justified by faith, declared righteous, even though we are sinners in ourselves. He comes and through the gospel, the powerful working of the spirit declares sinners to be righteous. He justifies them, not of any work that we have done, but according to his marvelous grace. And then he brings in Abraham. And he says, Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God. He was old. He, he was given this promise of so many children. And yet he doesn't stagger. He trusts God. Yeah, he tried at one moment to find his own way into the promise, but he found out it didn't work in his own strength. He needed God and his power and his fulfillment of the promise. And so as he begins now this chapter, he's reminding those at Rome. He's reminding us today, Paul is, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The same peace Abraham had, the same peace that the patriarchs and the saints of old have experienced, that same peace, Paul says, we have. If we are justified, if we have come to Jesus Christ by faith, we have peace with God. Jesus is our peace. 
He is the one who, on account of his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his life, we have access into this grace. And Paul is reminding those at Rome, he's reminding us, this is the beginning of the foundation of hope that he wants to set before us. We have peace with God, justified by faith. He doesn't say we had it at one time. Oh, in our experience, we can lose a sense of this peace. That is true. But the reality of this peace, if we are in Christ, united to him by faith, if we have been regenerated and born again, we have peace with God. And there's no way we could have bridged this gap. It is Jesus who is the focus here through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. And what Paul is reminding us here in this passage, in this first verse is, we have it. We will never lose it. We didn't gain it. It's been given as a free gift of grace. It's grace in Jesus Christ that has brought us into this relationship with God himself again that we had marred, that we had destroyed. Now notice what he goes on to say, by whom it is through Christ, we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. The same grace that introduced you, if you were in Jesus Christ by faith and union with him, that same grace, that same peace, you and I have access to now, by faith, in Christ. We continually, Paul is saying, have access to this same grace that has brought us into favor with God. We stand, notice he uses this word, wherein we stand. This is the foundation upon which every believer can rest. It's a confidence. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope. And this hope is not some kind of uh, fleeting uh, wish. It's a assured, confident, expectant hope that we rest upon the promise of God as Abraham did. God, Paul is saying, is looking upon each one of his children, and there is nothing in our lives that can interfere with what he is going to accomplish for his glory, our good, and our sanctification. We stand by grace. Every believer who hears this word of the apostle by the spirit, our heart should rejoice. Our heart should be moved as his was moved. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yes, Paul has in mind to some degree that glory of God that is coming and we will see him face to face. We will be transformed into his likeness. No more sin, no more sorrow. That's true. What glorious day. Paul doesn't only have his eyes on that day. He has his eyes on the here and now. We are rejoicing. We are joyfully boasting in the glory of God. Are you, even in the face of challenge and difficulty, able to boast and rejoicing in God 
and rest on this foundation. Paul's hope, his confidence was, he was going to indeed see the glory of God. He was going to even, we could say, participate in the glory of God. Christ had prayed, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Christ is telling us he has shared his glory with us. And Paul is here reflecting on this glory of God. This is causing him to rejoice with exuberance. And Paul later in chapter 8 will say, the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's a glory that is given that we reflect as this chain of hope will be unpacked. This glory will be a reflection even of the glory of God to bring greater glory to him. And so we are saved in hope. In the anticipation of this glory. We can hardly begin to stammer about what that glorious day will be for every believer in the church of God. If we're in the right place spiritually, our eyes should not be focused on this here and now, but that which is promised with certainty to come. Now, this foundation that Paul has laid before us is certain and sure and We might say with that kind of foundation, with that kind of hope, with that kind of marvelous future in store for every believer, it's no wonder that we rejoice. But then he goes on, notice, immediately to a startling contrast and statement. And not only so, not only what we have been considering of the glory of God in our Being justified by faith, we stand in this grace. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, verse 3, but we glory in tribulation also. The believer, Paul, and the believer is not only rejoicing in the glory of God that's going to be revealed, And not only rejoicing even now about that, but even rejoicing when I am in tribulation and in suffering. That's where the rubber hits the road in our lives day by day. What are you suffering? What have I suffered? Have I suffered well in the things that my father has placed upon my path and he will place upon my path to change me? Am I suffering well? Am I suffering rejoicingly? Am I suffering in the same confident hope because the foundation is sure? And so Paul will lay this out, how this actually happens in the hearts of believers. That's our second point we want to consider, this sequence that Paul lays out before us in this passage. Notice what he does. He says, we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience hope. We return, as it were, in full circle to hope again, but there's this chain that he's giving to us of what God is doing in our lives. 
And one of the great purposes of God in permitting and even directing affliction and trial is to have us cling to him, to depend on him, to return to him again and again. All of us in one way experience suffering. As I look out over you, I can call to mind those who have lost loved ones, those who have experienced relationship challenges, those who have experienced pain in the past, health issues, business difficulties perhaps. Maybe those who struggle with ongoing remaining sin, those who struggle with not being married and wish they were. In all these things, Paul is saying to you, not only so, but we glory also in tribulation. We rejoice in the hope of God. That's understandable. But I'm going to also rejoice in tribulation. Because my father has a purpose. He's up to something in the lives of his children. Now, this seems to be 180 degrees different from what Paul has just set before us. We can imagine him rejoicing in the hope of the glory to come. But as he now begins to unpack this experience in the heart, we'll begin to understand what God is doing in our lives. There is nothing we can say on the basis of this golden chain. There is nothing that happens in the life of a believer that God is not intending to use for their good. That ought to remove us from this standing secure in the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ. It may be in our present trouble, whether it's caused because of our own sin, someone sinning against us, or even affliction in this world in general, that God is going to bring through this pressure. That's really what the word here, tribulation, is. Any kind of pressure. Yes, he may have in mind various sufferings on account of naming the name of Christ. That may be very well true. But in the scripture, there are other pressures, all kinds of pressures that are mentioned in our lives. Joseph in the Old Testament in prison was under a lot of pressure. Where's the fulfillment of his promise and his dream? It's pressure, it's suffering, it's tribulation. But God, as a loving father, is disciplining, is correcting every one of his children that we would be partakers of his holiness. That's where this golden chain is leading. Whatever our affliction, whatever our trial and tribulation, God is going to use it for our good and our spiritual gain. Notice how he begins. We know, not only we glory in tribulation, but we know this. It's an experiential knowledge of this truth. When Paul says in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose is the same word. We know this with a confidence. We know this by faith. We know this in our experience. And so how does what Paul says here, tribulation work patience or perseverance? 
take a child of God yourself. If you've experienced the peace of God, you've been justified through our Lord Jesus Christ by faith, and you encounter suffering, tribulation, you have some knowledge of the grace wherein you stand, and when you face tribulation, you're being squeezed. You're being squeezed like a tube of toothpaste. And what's inside the tube is going to come out. And we know that in regeneration, we are given by the grace of God graces, love, faith, hope. And when the believer is squeezed in the face of tribulation, what even to their own astonishment at times, what comes out maybe peace, maybe love. It could still be from the flesh. Conflict, hatred, bitterness. But what Paul is saying here is if we may rest on this foundation, when we are pressed on every side, Paul mentions that to the Corinthians. He was pressed from without and within on every side. And yet what is coming out of the heart of the apostle Paul is a confidence and a resting on the hope that he has in Jesus Christ. When you see a child of God yourself being pressed and you cling to Christ in this tribulation and you are upheld and you don't succumb to temptation, you don't succumb to departing in unbelief. Why is that? Yes, the grace of God, but it's because this tribulation is going to work. Patience, endurance, you press on. You don't give up hope. Perhaps you begin to realize even more than ever as you suffer more. If it wasn't for his grace, I would give up. I would succumb. I would be discouraged. I would complain. When I'm able to give glory to God and praise his name even in suffering. I am learning this tribulation is working in me perseverance as Abraham trusted God even in the face of seeming impossibility if you have a person who has sinned against you in a relationship hurt you deeply you don't really want to talk to that person and you're mulling this over in your heart and your mind and this person comes to you and has eventually been convicted, they've offended you, and they say, you know, I really hurt you. I just want to apologize for what I did. Our inclination in the flesh is to do what? How could you do this to me? Don't you realize? And we could go on. But the evidence of grace and perseverance is to give a word of forgiveness. That we have experienced this peace of God, want to restore peace also in our relationship. And the love of God begins to flow even through us, even to our enemies, because tribulation has worked patience and endurance. We mustn't be discouraged and disturbed as we experience trials. Andrew Murray wrote this. First, he brought me here. It was by his will I'm in this straight place. In fact, I will rejoice. 
Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. And last, in his good time, he will bring me out again. And when he knows. And so Paul is saying, when we experience tribulation, it will work in us. Patience, endurance, but that's not the end. It's just not endurance, as we say in the, uh, uh, the United States with the Marines. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying tribulation in the lives of the children of God is to refine us. To, to shape us, not only to persevere in the tribulation, but to be transformed through it. You can see the children of God, and if we are given grace to see it, we ought to be seeing it in ourselves. That this grace of God is actually working out this change within us. We were moving in one direction. Now we're moving in another direction. And we're growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. You will not see this immediately in the people of God. In a new believer, they may have gotten angry. And it may be in their character and their disposition before. But being born again, they now have a new disposition. And that disposition is going to be through tribulation, and patience, they will learn experience. They will be transformed. Paul is speaking here about the here and now that ought to be the result of this ongoing work of the spirit within us. We don't see it often in ourselves. But if God gives us by grace to react in ways to others who sinned against us in the way that I was describing, we will begin to see that it is his grace within us that is working out this salvation. The tribulations and pressures are bringing out the graces that God has planted within the soul. And persevering on in these, it works experience, a change of character. Going through the furnace, persevering on, brings us forth as gold. I think of Job. Do you imagine that the end of Job's life would have been, as we read it, recorded if he hadn't had those tribulations? If he hadn't entered this furnace, so to speak, of tribulation? No, we see that when he endures by the grace of God, he's brought forth as gold. And he himself says this. He, God, knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's what Paul is saying in this golden chain of hope. Dear believer, if... Your prayer is and has been, make me more like Jesus. Change me. This is the chain God will use. If you want to be more like Christ in love and kindness and meekness and humility in his character, we ought not be surprised if God brings pressure, 
tribulation. And this means as well that no matter what Satan can do to prod us, no matter what sin remains plaguing in our soul, no matter what tribulation and troubles afflict us, God is going to bring about this golden chain. Patience will work experience and change of character. Have you ever noticed this in other believers, perhaps? You see them under great stress, great pressures, great trial and tribulation. When God has brought them through to persevere through it by grace, they are a changed person. If you want to be changed, if I want to be changed in our character, in our dispositions, and to demonstrate and show evidence of that, it will be through this golden chain. Tribulation works patience, endurance, and endurance will work experience, change of character, and experience will then, this change of character, work again, hope. This is why Paul is able to say, I rejoice greatly, not only in what I have said is the foundation, justified by faith in Jesus Christ, a hope to come, but a hope that is now because God is working out his glory also today. And this is where many Christians opt out. Suffering. We want a gospel that pampers us, that gives us this peace, this, this overflowing blessing in life and no hardships and no trial. And we opt out of suffering in many different ways. We avoid dealing perhaps with difficult situations and stresses because it's easier for the flesh. Paul is saying this is God's way of changing us. This is God's way of making us into his character and likeness. And even as I suspect Paul reflecting back here in his own life, every step of his way, he could see God's hand leading him. And he could rejoice in his tribulations also. And what does he do here? He makes a complete circle back to hope. He says, not only so, rejoice also in tribulations, because tribulations work patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. But this hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. God is continually working out this grace in us. And so if we begin to understand what Paul understood God was up to in our lives, we also ought to rejoice even in tribulations. Because the end where he will lead us is again to hope with confidence and expectation as the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. This is the end of hope. The third thing we want to look at briefly. Paul could say this because of the trials he experienced, he, he was able through endurance and change of his character to end and rest in to see my father is at work. He's changing me. That's not easy to do when you go to the doctor and you have him report to you the test results or cancer. 
you are in conflict in a relationship with someone else. But Paul was able, even by looking back, and we ought as well to look back over the events of our lives and to discern the grace of God in what he's doing in upholding us, strengthening us, so that when we face new trials and we face new stresses, we would be able with Paul to say, and not only so, I rejoice in glory and tribulations also. Because the hope of God and the love of God shed abroad in my heart will lead me and keep me and transform me. There was a Christian who had gone through a number of setbacks. He was at the bottom, ready to give up hope, lost his fortune, his family, and his future. And the only thing he had left was really a foundation of hope in God. And one day he was walking along in the streets and he saw a mason working on a piece of stone. And he asked the mason what he was doing just to pass the time. And he said, I'm, I'm fitting this stone. And the worker kept working. The man asked him again, well, where's the stone going? And he pointed up to the top of the spire of this cathedral building that he was making. And there was one piece where a stone was missing. He said, I'm shaping it down here to fit it up there. And the man thought, what is my father doing? The exact same thing. He's shaping and fitting and molding and chiseling and working and everything about my trouble and tribulation. He is using to fit me there in glory. And this is what God is doing in our lives when we can see it by faith. And it's through this Holy Spirit that Paul is reminding us here whose love, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit so we don't lose hope, that we don't lose the confidence in God, what he is doing. He reminds us in a few verses later, we read that together, when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's about him, what he's doing, what he's done. And he's going to accomplish that work in us. And so we can give glory to God. We can rejoice in God. He's given us his spirit. And that spirit sheds abroad in our hearts, even in the most difficult moments, as we read the scriptures, as we listen to his word, as we by faith rest on his promises, the love of God, how could he love me? How could he, when I have even resisted his stresses that he's allowing to come in my life to change me, how could he love me? And we rejoice as the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. As we are reminded by this very passage, God loves you more than you know, more than you understand, more than you can believe. And he doesn't love us because of who we are, but he loves us in Christ. And that's why this golden chain is certain, is effectual, is powerful. It will accomplish what he designed it to do. 
And so we grow by faith in this assurance until we are finally perfected on that glorious day of which Paul is hinting at the beginning of this passage in the hope of the glory of God. Dear brothers and sisters, do you see this golden chain in your life being worked out by God so that your heart is deepening in understanding and experience of the love of God in Christ Jesus? Or is there, as the world experiences in the face of pressure, discontent, bitterness, avoidance, coldness? Paul is reminding us here of the way to stir up hope in our hearts. I want to close with an illustration of the life of Thomas Carlyle. His wife he loved dearly would serve as he had, she had served as his secretary as well. And he was, he was about his work in the pastorate and she was bedbound for a time, quite a time before uh, she died. But, but Pastor Carlyle was so absorbed in his work in the pastorate that he often treated her as an employee, not as his wife. After she died and was buried, he went back to the empty house back up to her bedroom and there was a diary lying on her bedstand and he took it up and began to read and as he read an entry caught his eye yesterday he, he spent an hour with me it was like heaven I love him so much another day he read as he turned the page I listened all day to hear his footsteps in the hall and now it's late. I guess he will not come to see me. And after a few more entries that he had read, he threw the book down and the pouring rain ran to the cemetery and fell at his wife's grave, sobbing. If only I had known, if only I had known. It's a moving story. But what will we say when our eyes are opened on the other side? Will we have to say, if only I had known, if only I had known? The love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need to rest by faith in the foundation, stand in this grace, make access to this same grace, and realize the work that God is doing to change us, that we would be like him. Let's pray. Our gracious God, help us to understand thy marvelous way with your children. We often resist. We often buck at difficulty and trial. But help us to, by faith, have our eyes lifted to him who has gone before us. And that we too may endure the stresses and tribulations, knowing that they indeed work patience, endurance, and that will indeed work a change of our character to be more and more like who we have been born again to be. 
in Christ Jesus united to him. So give us day by day an insight in this grace wherein we stand and to make use of that grace daily to trust in thy promises and that we would be transformed and display already now your glory through our lives. To thee be the glory forever. In Christ Jesus, amen.